When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. All right, it's Film Study with Ken McCusick, and we actually get to talk about a football game today. We're going to look back at the Hall of Fame game, the very first preseason game for the Ravens this year against the Bears, where they squeaked by with a 17-16 victory. Ken McCusick, how are you doing? Life's great, Josh. How about you? I'm doing all right. I'm on uh, vacation this week, so if the sound's a little different, it's the uh, outdoors <laughs> recording location. Well, I, we appreciate our superstar Production guy coming on and taking time out of his vacation to do this. I appreciate it, Josh. No problem. But speaking of superstars, this first practice game was all about a superstar. This was all about, let's see Lamar Jackson. And we had to wait a while to see him, but we got to see Lamar Jackson for the second half. Well, that's right. And, and, you know, it was, a, it was a mixed bag from Lamar. I think a couple positive things, probably a few more negative things in this game in terms of where he is and how far he has to go. And we're going to get to some of that. The defense led the way in this one. Very exciting performance by the defense, and Kamalai Correa in particular. Uh, but a number of defensive players really stepped up in this game. And that's, that's great because, again, we're talking about week one of the 
preseason where they even have an extra preseason game. So you're not going to see, especially the offensive stars, you're not going to see Joe Flacco in this game. We didn't see him. So um, we're going to yeah, talk probably about probably close, probably 15, 18 players sat in this game. Most of the starters didn't play, and that uh, that certainly was the philosophy there. Right. So when we grade and, and look at a preseason game, we're clearly looking at, at it more on an individual basis rather than team-wide how they, how they did. The fact that they won doesn't really matter. Yeah, exactly true. So, all right, um, well, let's get started. Where, do you, where would you like to start with this, Ken? You want to start with the quarterback, since that was the big discussion going in, or you want to go with yeah. some linemen? I think that's what everyone wants to hear, so let's go ahead and start with the offense and, and, all right, the, so we, uh, and the quarterbacks. In so particular. we started with RG3, who, as we talked two weeks ago, last week, about depth charts, RG3 is going to be Joe's backup is what seems to make the most sense. So how did RG3 look? So RG3 led the Ravens' first touchdown drive. Uh, it was a indifferent performance, I would say. Uh, both of the quarterbacks, all three quarterbacks, in fact, labored under an offensive line that did not really get the job done. They, they sacked a total of eight times. But uh, Griffin led the touchdown drive that got the game tied, and his drive was the best-looking of any drive the Ravens had. The Ravens' drive chart, by the way, if you look down it, really an ugly, ugly drive chart. A couple penalty-aided uh, touchdown drives. Otherwise, they hardly moved the ball at all and had a bunch of three-and-outs. And, outs. and uh, Robert Griffin was the best. Uh, he moved the ball a little bit um, on his feet, more through the air. Uh, they, they had a couple good running plays, particularly Gus Edwards, while uh, Robert Griffin was in there, had a, one big run and one big uh, run after the catch uh, to kind of lead the way offensively. But Robert Griffin, I think Lamar Jackson's performance will have more impact on what Robert Griffin's standing is with the, with the team this year uh, than what he actually did. But he did enough to at least bring himself, keep himself in the discussion as Joe's backup. Yeah, he, he didn't look like a guy who hasn't played football in a while. I mean, he there wasn't on a team last year. Yeah, Griffin is a very mature guy, a wonderful interview, and, and he was at the podium explaining exactly that and just how difficult it was to be away from football and how, you know, you, you, you don't really realize how much you miss something till you lose it. And he, you know, he lost his age 27 season, which is an awfully significant year for any athlete, but, but certainly for a quarterback to lose that year is a big one. Right. And a guy who came into the league basically as a run, 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 and is being forced to learn how to play the ball more as a pocket passer now. Right. He had, he had uh, less of a steep learning curve than Lamar Jackson appears to be having. Uh, he, he had a great year as a passer in 2012, but he still took a few too many chances with his body. And that's what, in, in the end, caught up to him when Haloti Nada hit him and, and uh, wrecked his knee. But, uh, but anyway, enough about right. Griffin. People probably want to hear about Jackson at this point. You mean we're yeah. not gonna, you're not going to break down Josh Woodrum for me? <laughs> no, I think we'll move on. We can skip past that. So let's get yeah. to the second half was... What everyone has been waiting for, it was uh, Lamar Jackson. And yeah, so I, I, I turned on ESPN this morning. They're not showing the interception. They're showing the running because he's way more fun to watch when he's running. So how do you do? There, there you go. So he did have a couple 10-yard runs that uh, uh, were first downs and in, in each case. And uh, one was just escaping the pocket on a pass where he did one of his normal weave-through traffic moves. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden you, you, you thought you had him and you flushed him from the pocket and – he runs for 10 yards in a first down. It's something they've always said, why doesn't Joe Flacco do that? And there's a good reason. You see you see uh, Jackson do it, and you say Flacco couldn't do that. But, right. uh, 
But anyway, I, th that was what was to like about Jackson's performance. He had legs on several runs. What was not to like, there are a lot of things. He did not uh, really do a good job managing his injury risk in this game, I would say. He got dragged down in particular on the left sideline by a linebacker uh, on his knees. It wasn't quite a horse collar, but it was the, the kind of effect you get from a horse collar that your, your knees hit the ground awkwardly and directly, and it's not the kind of hit I would have liked him to take. Um, in, in this game. So you would have uh, rather seen him slide and slide and give himself up a little more? Yeah, slide, give himself up, get out of bounds quicker. Any of the, any of the things that would have uh, yeah, uh, reduced his injury risk would have been good. I'm not saying it was terrible. It's not as certainly as bad as it could have been, but, but that particular hit I was not happy about. Okay. Uh, uh, in terms of other things, he really had a bad day both from the pocket and moving around the pocket. He had one really good throw. That was a 14-yard conversion to Lasley on third and 11. Uh, that was to like. Uh, other than that, and including that, in fact, he averaged 1.2 yards per pass play. So the, the, he, he passed 11, or sorry, passed 10 times. He was sacked three times. Uh, a total of 13 dropbacks that, that did not end in runs for 15 total yards. So only 1.2 yards. That's pretty ugly. It's certainly not what the Ravens want to see from him from the pocket. So uh, he had one interception uh, that was, uh, you know, obviously telegraphed the throw. Another where he telegraphed a PD at the line of scrimmage by staring down a receiver. I didn't like that. Um, and another where he threw high and there was a it was a wobbly throw that really had a chance to be intercepted. Fortunately, Lavrone got a uh, a hand on the ball and and deflected it where it couldn't be intercepted, but it was a high interception risk throw. So, uh, you know, it, it, overall, it wasn't the start we'd hoped for from Lamar Jackson. We, he's not as far along as we thought he was. What I want to be careful about is not to project a slow growth rate on him just because we saw a bad first game. So I think there's still hope. He'll be ready to play quarterback sometime this season. You know, and if that's not the case, then, you know, hopefully Joe Flacco doesn't get hurt and hopefully... Uh, you know, the Ravens keep RG3 if he, if he does. All right, so no, co no quarterback controversy. No. Don't need to worry about that. All right, um, great. Let's get into the offensive line, kind of the, the meat of, of, of the game. And it was a little bit of a flashback because we've got Orlando Brown up, up there again. Yeah, there you go. So he was really the, the star on the offensive line. They gave him that, that kind of star treatment on, on NBC. I thought he, to the naked eye, I thought he played pretty well. Uh, there were eight sacks in the game, so there's a lot of opportunity to give him a partial responsibility for a sack. And that's what I really want to do with Maureen is go back and score those plays one at a time and make sure uh, you know I didn't miss something important about a contribution to a sack that he had. Uh, he had one pressure that ended up resulting in a sack, and I've got to really look at the rest to see if he if he created a flush or anything that, that, that might have resulted in a sack more directly. The, the one I'm talking about, the pressure uh, that he had, forced Griffin out of the pocket, but Griffin ran to the sidelines, tiptoed around, should have either thrown the ball away or, uh, you know, done something else differently because he lost one on the play and uh, it ended up being a sack. It's, it's not really a sack. It's a run for minus one the way I look at it. Um, but, but anyway, Brown played, I thought, pretty well. Does Next he, to him, does he remind ahead. you of his dad? Like, do you see the same moves from him? He's, he's a very different player. Okay. Um, for one thing, he's a, he's a length guy, and Orlando Sr. Uh, had shorter arms, even though he was almost as tall. 
So I think Orlando Brown might have been six seven, and Orlando Brown Jr. is six eight. But Orlando Brown Jr. has much longer arms and and is a, a much more natural uh, pass blocking uh, length. Uh, he, he does not have the great feet, neither did Orlando Sr., uh, but Orlando Sr. was a much more get-to-the-body-in-the-run game guy. I think that we saw elements of that from Jr. last night. He did some good run blocking in this game. Uh, it's not the kind of thing I think we're ready to get excited about, given the, the level of competition, but uh, on the 16-yard runs by Edwards, he had a very nice seal to the inside, and that looked good. Um, Talking about the other players that were on the line, uh, yeah. Jermaine Illuminor played at right, at right guard next to him for the bulk of the game. And that was a nice pairing because both those guys are uh, able to uh, move earth a little bit. They're more road graders than what the Ravens have at other positions. And it was nice to see those guys paired and, and, and working out some of the kinks together um, as the game went on. I thought they, they both played reasonably well. And, and I, before I would make any further statements about that, I'd like to grade them individually before I do that. The left side was where the problems occurred. Okay. Left tackle, left guard, and center. Um, uh, left tackle uh, was split between two guys who never have played an NFL game, uh, Cresselis and Evans, um, uh, Cresselius and Evans, I should say. And uh, neither of them played particularly well. I saw that uh, uh, Evans didn't fare so badly with PFF. I want to go look at it myself because I think a lot of the pressure came from that left side. Um, at left guard um, and center, after Skura played two drives, and Lewis also played the first two drives at left guard, the rest of the game was all Bozeman and Shakir alternating um, the left guard and center positions. It was an interesting way to do it. They bounced back every couple series and um, uh, Bozeman looked better than Shakir did. Shakir was absolutely awful and had a number of negative pass rush events. Um, Bozeman was actually pretty good, I thought, uh, and certainly the best of the guys from left tackle to center. Um, so anyway, a lot, of the, a lot of the pass blocking problems were on the, on the left side that led to those eight sacks. All right. Um, on the defensive side, we got to see a Martindale defense for the first time. We sort of got to sort see of? the Martindale defense. So, well, the sort of I'll give you is this, that we saw some of the aggression, I think, in terms of the pass rush from Martindale, but Martindale used the base package uh, on every snap of the game. There was not a single dime package the entire game. And you know how I feel about the dime. And, right, he's, uh, he's supposed to be giving us more dime. Yeah, and I think he will during the regular season. I don't, I don't take this as an indicator at all. But, you know... It, the goals are different during the preseason. They're trying to sift through the talent and really see what they have at inside linebacker, uh, where they have a fair number of rookies. They want to see what they have at safety as well. But for whatever reason in this game, because they sat a couple of starting safeties, they felt like they could get them enough action on the back end and not have to bring them up to play dime. So uh, you know, we saw quite a bit from, from uh, the inside linebacker and dime positions. We're going to talk about some of those players when we go through individually. But there was a funny story that related to the dime, and I'm not sure if I've got it exactly right, but I'm going to tell you how I saw it. On the very first drive at Q1-1346, only the third play of the game, the Ravens got the Bears to third and four. And that would normally be a, be a snap where the dime comes on the field, the sixth defensive back comes out, and the specific replacement you would make then from the nickel to the dime is to take the second inside linebacker, in this case, it could have been McClellan. It would normally be Peanut, but Peanut, I believe, was had the green dot helmet for the game. 
So McClellan actually ran to the sidelines, and you see from the NBV, NBC view when they come back to the game that McClellan is running back on the field. And it looked to me like McClellan thought, oh, it's third and four. got to get off the field quickly for the dime to come in. And then they told him, no, no, you're back in. We're playing all base package in this game. And he may have known that already or maybe should have known that, but he didn't, uh, uh, he didn't act it out to, to start with. During the right. regular season, he'd be exactly right. You'd run to the sideline, the dime would come on, and you'd be ready, and he'd be good to, to do it quickly. Right, I'm sure it's habit for him. That yeah, that's habit he gets for him. Off. McClellan, extremely cerebral player, very, very good, uh, smart guy, and also a very football-savvy guy. Uh, Rossberg talks about the highest terms on special teams, so I don't think it was he did a stupid thing. He just he just did what he would normally do during the regular season. All right, um, great general overview. Let's get to some of these individual grade of uh, the players. Let's see, kind of again, it's preseason, so we saw a little bit of certain guys and none of other guys. So let's just go through with some guys that young guys that we can pay attention to and guys that we can cross off the list and not have to worry about. There along you go. as well. So um right now the first guy right here on the list is Anthony Everett Everett, if I'm pronouncing that right. Everett. There yeah, we it's go. A, it's a Anthony Everett and we and you know we're I I put together a few guys that I really want to talk about, but Everett is a good guy that is worthwhile. He comes out of Alabama and he played well. Uh he had some uh, the the guy who was killing the Ravens all night was a wide receiver named Wims. Uh, number 83, and Averett had responsibility for one long completion to him, which was for 24 yards. Um, that set up a field goal for the Bears, but Averett made a touchdown saving play on the next very next play after he gave up the big reception that uh, uh, stopped a run for a touchdown on the left side. And then he also had coverage on Wims in the end zone that further prevented that touchdown. So he, he acquitted himself very well. I think Anthony Averett's going to make the team and, and be a, uh, a solid part of their cornerback depth and hopefully a solid special teams player as well. Good. That's why I wanted to go with him. Is, is he seemed like a guy who, who we would get to know this season. So um, what, who else would you like to go through? Well, let's, let's talk about Kamala Correa. I guess he's really the big story tonight. We really need to give him the, the individual treatment in this game because his game was so great. And I mentioned it's the best game I've ever seen. In, in the years I've been scoring the games by this method, I look back at all mean, the players I, I'd given For a, a preseason three. game. That's for a preseason game. That's yeah. correct. I, it would be pretty close in the regular season too, honestly, given, given what he did in this game because it, because it was so special. But uh, he, had, he had three sacks, he forced a fumble, he had an interception, he almost had a second. Uh, he led the team with six tackles. That's not, you know, obviously that big a deal in the context of all these turnovers and sacks. But uh, the thing that wasn't more impressive than anything is he played both inside linebacker and outside linebacker. And the knock on Correa before this year was that he'd really failed at two positions. He didn't play outside linebacker. Uh, physically enough as a rookie, he wasn't able to hold a point of attack and didn't do anything as a pass rusher. Uh, in his second year at inside linebacker, he did some things well in terms of pass recognition, and we certainly saw that in spades last night with the interception and the pass defense he had. But he did not uh, uh, do well at anticipating the run and shooting gaps. That's something we didn't see any of last night. There really wasn't an opportunity for any of it, or, or much of it at least. But we certainly saw the other things. We saw in spades him come through with, uh, uh, with pass defense from inside linebacker. He had a sack as an, from an A-gap blitz at inside linebacker. 
and he had two other real pass rusher sacks from the outside. One of them a strip sack um, that that just you know he was a man among boys in this game. I used that term about Zadarius Smith as well, but uh, Correa had just a an outstanding game and one of the um, you know the best in Ravens history. I was really thinking back as to who were the great player, who were the players otherwise who had as good a game, but. Uh, Peter Bowler in 1997, I believe, had a four-sack game in the preseason. Nate Bowling, Nate Bowling had three sacks in a 2003 game against the Bills. And there was a really famous uh, battle for the last roster spot on the 2001 defensive line between Kelly Gregg and Dwayne Missouri, where they both had enormous games. So, uh, you know, those are the games that come to mind when I'm thinking about what who compares to Correa. And I don't think any of them were any better at that. Uh, to start at least with that. Now, we're, we're familiar with Correa. Did you notice anything particular that improved in this game? Or is it just overall, do you think it was experience? Do you think he focused on something this offseason? Where do yeah, you think we, this came from? You know, all of these are really good questions. But when, when somebody just improves their pass rush the way Correa does, I have to point to that. That was really the difference in this game. He, he had some of the anticipation skills, and he was, I guess, maybe fortunate enough that that he, he faced a quarterback who gave some things away to him in this game on the interception of the past offense. But in terms of his pass rush, I mean, we just hadn't seen that before. Uh, we hadn't seen it since Boise State, frankly. And, and, you know, when a guy takes a step forward like that, it's hard to really pinpoint what it might have been that did it. He's, he's always been in great shape, so I don't think physically it's, it's specific. He's probably a little stronger than he was as a rookie just because of the natural progression players take. But, uh, you know, he just looked like a different player on the field. That's as, that's as closely as I can pinpoint it. Well, that's uh, good. That, that's what you're supposed to do is take your rookie year, learn, and then grow. And uh, hopefully this is his breakout season coming up. Yeah, there you go. So, anyway, we've got some other players to talk. I, 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 uh, I sent a list in the, in the notes here with this. But the, the next guy I really want to talk about is Tim Williams, uh, who had a varied set of pass rush moves that were just far too quick for the Bears twos and threes. I mean, it was it was almost like he was moving at a speed of 10 and the other player was moving at a speed of 7. And uh, I, I made a complete list of the pressure events that he had in the article. So please go out to Russell Street Report, particularly if you have a recording of the game and want to see, because it was just an outstanding set of different moves. And I, I'm going to go quickly through this, not including the time references, because you don't need those from on air here. But he, he first pressure was a swim move, then he had a stunt, then a spin move, then a stunt, then he ducked inside, then he got low to the outside, and then he had another stunt for a slow-developing quarterback hit. It's just, you know, he did a little bit of everything in this game. Most um, pass rushers are lucky if they have one great pass rush move, and Tim Williams was just showing off a batch of different moves. They did not all result in converted pressures. He got pressure that didn't necessarily stop the quarterback from making a complete. Tyler Bray was on the second half, has a very quick release. And despite the fact that Williams was getting quick pressure on him, Bray was aware of it and did very well in adjusting for it to get rid of that ball quickly. And uh, he did get hit once, but uh, but otherwise he did a pretty good job of, uh, of getting rid of the ball. Williams, outstanding game, though, and against other quarterbacks, that's going to be a very effective and as Martindale works into his scheme, I expect Williams to really take a big step forward this year. All right. Um, Bennett Jackson, who is this guy? He was, he, was, his, he was on screen doing well. Is this guy that's going to make an impact this season? Yeah, well, I, I think that the Ravens have maybe too much safety depth to consider keeping a player like Bennett Jackson. 
Uh, he, he's obviously played well in camp, and, and he got a fairly early entry into this game. He was playing with Deshaun Elliott for a lot of the night, and they each did a little bit of front-end, back-end play. Jackson on the front-end had a sack. On the back-end, he had a pass defense. Uh, he did a good job making a quick tackle on whims that uh, set up the fourth and one stop, which was the Ravens' big play of the game. So he stopped it for a gain of seven uh, on third and eight to set up that fourth and one. Uh, he was flagged for an unnecessary roughness that I thought was a terrible call. Uh, they had McCauley, the ex-referee, in the in the booth, and he really called him out too as, as really making a bad call on that play that he thought the, the, the he hadn't led with the helmet. He'd done a good job of, of, of trying to not hit the player with the helmet. And uh, frankly, that was one of the big problems with the game was we just had flag after flag for this helmet to helmet. And I think they'll fine-tune what they actually want out of it to reduce those number of flags. I don't think it's good for football to have that many flags. All right. Yeah, that's a, that's the other storyline nationally coming out of this is the flags. Yes. And uh, how they deal with that before the season starts. Um, who else Who else stood out to you? Well, Bronson Kafusi had a big game, and, and he's a player who's been – uh, kind of lost the last two years. He lost his injury. He lost his uh, rookie season, I should say, to injury, and a uh, you know, bad injury in camp. And last year he was around. He was on the team, but he was not, wasn't active for all that many games. And when he was active, he didn't play that much. Uh, kind of got in Harbaugh's doghouse over what Harbaugh ter- termed as a lack of physicality against the run, uh, and, and it was something that kind of stuck with him for the rest of the year. I will say from being at camp this year, Bronson Kafusi is enormous. You know, you don't normally be, you're not normally able to look at a player from year to year and see a big difference in his, in the way physically he's, he's honed himself, but he's clearly taken a lot of time in the weight room. Uh, Jensen was the guy last year who really took a big step forward physically. Uh, Kafusi and uh, is one of the players this year who just looks vastly different physically and a lot better. And he's, he's now splitting his time between defensive end and outside linebacker. So he, he did some good things at both positions. He recovered a fumble that Deshaun Elliott caused, uh, which was certainly a, a nice thing to see. And uh, he was uh, holding the edge well at outside linebacker, which I think is something that he needs to do if he's going to play that position well. And it's something with his size the Ravens can really hope he does well. Uh, the one thing right. else, the other he did, he got a quarterback hit directly as a pass rusher, which is something he'll need to contribute on from outside linebacker. So good all-around game for Kafusi, contributed in a lot of different ways to the Ravens' defense. Right. Um, I'm going to pull up a negative. Okay. Is Perriman going to make this team? You know, uh, it's it's getting more difficult. Obviously, he had a, he had a deflection for an interception. What, what I'm going to say about Perriman is this, that he's got four more games to either prove to – the Ravens or somebody else that he has value. And if you're a Ravens fan, and I'm looking at you, Josh, directly right now, we need to hope he does everything possible to improve his stock over the next four four games. Whether that means he's playing for the Ravens or somebody else, uh, he needs to improve his stock over these next four games, which means we got to be cheering for him and not reveling in passes he drops in hopes that that, that circumstances conspire for the Ravens to cut him or whatever you might want out of this thing. I mean, Perriman is a player who the Ravens either need to keep him because it's the right call or they, or they need to trade him because that's the, that's the way to maximize the value they get from him. But they, they, you know, it does them no good for him to play poorly at this point. Okay. I'll take that. Um, though I 
I guess if he does do poorly, at least it won't be here. <laughs> but you never know. He He's stuck around this long. Um, let's see. I don't have your list of which guys you really sure. really stood out to you. So if you well, want sure. to pick let's, another let's one out. This, absolutely. So um, uh, Alan Ricard was – sorry, not Alan Ricard, the old fullback. Patrick Ricard, the nose tackle and fullback, uh, had, had another fine game as well. Now, they had gave him an extended trial at nose tackle, 41 snaps on the nose and five more snaps at fullback. And he was very impressive at nose tackle. And I know, you know, competition is a little bit lower, of course, because it's the preseason. But he did a great job of uh, bullying the center Allen on, on several plays, including the key fourth and one stop. He, it was Ricard's push on that play really helped set up that play and, and uh, offer a slot for Young to slide through for the tackle. Uh, he did a good job uh, uh, with getting some pressure uh, to compress the pocket. He recovered a fumble on Correa's strip sack. And if you look back to last year, the Bears game on October 15th, he played 19 snaps in an emergency. Well, he only played one snap the remainder of the year on defense. He played all the rest of the year on fullback at fullback effectively. But the value that an, a Patrick Ricard can provide you is that if he can demonstrate he has the versatility to play both fullback and the nose, the Ravens may be able to carry one less defensive lineman on the 53-man roster. And I think the player who, who is probably most fearful that, that Patrick Ricard plays well on defense uh, might be uh, Davis, because if he does not, um, he's in his fourth year, Carl Davis, and he's at that point, you know, option value is gone, so he, he'd be at risk to be cut. I thought he played well last night, but, uh, but, you know, there's definitely a tough cut to come on that defensive line, and we'll see where that goes. All right. Um, the back on the offensive side, this kid Edwards. He was one of the undrafted guys, right? Just a walk. Yeah, that's him? right. And 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 he flashed. He was the one undrafted uh, free agent running back of the three who played. And that was they they carried the whole load. All of the regular running backs sat out. Dixon was injured. Uh, Buck Allen sat out, and Alex Collins sat out. So it's only the three UDFA running backs they're they're, they're trying to give playing time to. Edwards had a, had a really nice 16-yard run where he exploited a gap that was created by Brown. Uh, Brown and Illuminor both. Let's give them both credit. And, and then he had a 23-yard, a make that a 20, yeah, I think it was a 23-yard uh, pass play where he caught it two yards from the line of scrimmage and ran for 21 more. So he, re- he really was the one guy who flashed with a little ability to make a play. Ravens had very few long plays. In fact, those two plays were the first and fourth longest of the night for the Ravens. So uh, he was the guy uh, who uh, who stood out among the free agent running backs. All right. Um, who stood out outside of Lamar Jackson? Because I, I feel like you would go that route. Who stood out as just bad and not NFL ready? And, and not NFL ready among the, um, let's see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a player that I'm a little bit disappointed about where he is right now. Um, I'm, I'm sad for him because it's not his fault, I think. But uh, it appears that Nico Saragusa is not really back from his injury. And he didn't get in until very late on the offensive line. Played the last uh, three series. And uh, those weren't meaningful snaps, of course. Or weren't, uh, one, one, in fact, was a set of kneels. And the fact that he's that far down on the, on the depth chart and uh, Maurice Shakir, for example, is playing a lot ahead of that time, Shows you that the, the coaches don't really feel he's he's back and ready for the injury, uh, uh, ready to play from the injury. Another thing I'd say is that I think giving Syracuse's 
reputation as a road grader, he'd be the ideal center to replace Jensen if they could make it work. I, I was conjecturing in the offseason that he'd be the guy the Ravens really want to take that job uh, because of his size, but it, it appears the, the injury is going to limit him from doing that, and uh, I hope we see more from him this preseason. I hope it's just a matter of he's going to get ready to play in the regular season, but uh, the first indicator from the first game is not a good one. All right. Um, it's it's preseason game, so it doesn't really seem fair to do this, but we do it anyway. So let's get to your MVPs. Sure. Well, the MVPs uh, uh, on the defensive side, uh, Kamalai Correa, way far and away the best. And you know, I mentioned he had the best ever. Tim Williams, the second best, and and you know, he was just popping up and down like a whack a mole. They could not seem to to keep their hands on him or block him. Uh, and the other guy who we didn't we didn't mention among the individual players was Chris Wormley. Uh, he, he had a terrific game. Uh, six pressures as I as I have it. He batted down two passes. He actually batted a pass at the line of scrimmage and he knocked a pass that was in the hand of the quarterback that caused an incompletion later in the game. Didn't actually knock it out of his hand, but uh, but he jostled the arm of the quarterback. So really good uh, uh, breakout game for Wormley. Uh, Deshaun Elliott is one more I'll mention on the defensive side because we didn't get to him. Uh, but his play at free safety is something I really want to see. Uh, from the Ravens, the Ravens give him that chance to play at free safety. So we see if he might be the replacement for Weddle, either in 2019 or in 2020 when Weddle's contract uh, runs out. So uh, Elliott uh, looked great last night. He had one really stupid play where he threw his hands up in the air uh, while the play was still going on, you know, calling effectively for a, uh, a receiver to be called for uh, – uh, pushing off and offensive pass interference, but the play was still going on, and I, I, it's a kind of stupid play that gets you in the doghouse pretty quickly. But right. other than that, he played very well, and he would have been on my defensive star list. So I think that takes care of it on the defensive side. All right. Um, how about on the offensive side? You mentioned Orlando Brown having a great game. Yeah, or- Orlando Brown probably, and, and I, it's always dangerous to do that because I, I'm telling you, I'm just going to go back and do the scoring play-by-play, play, and there's often a surprise or two you find, and you go, oh, that wasn't so good. But just the eyeball test, and I didn't watch him as often as I could when I was making the notes, I thought that, that he probably was the Ravens' best player in terms of what he provided, and certainly in terms of how what he provided will translate to the regular season. I think Brown was the best. Edwards is a UDFA running back, so whatever he provides is going to be in a, in a, in a lower-tiered role or only translate if there's an injury whereas Brown is, is likely to be the starter at right tackle. So he was my number two guy, Edwards. My number three guy is Griffin. I think that he showed enough on offense in a, in a game where not other people didn't show very much that you really have to consider whether you got to keep three quarterbacks. And Griffin would be the guy, obviously, to be the backup quarterback if Lamar Jackson is deemed just not ready to go by the end of camp. And hopefully we see improvement, but... It'd be a good thing if they're able to cut Griffin because, I mean, a lot of progress for Jackson at this point. Uh, but I think there's a good chance they'll end up keeping Griffin after last night. Is there a chance Griffin plays well enough that you let him go or move him to another team that, to give I him a better opportunity? You know, he is signed. I guess it would be possible to trade him and, and get something for him. Somebody else, you know, somebody else could have a big injury in camp and – all of a sudden, RG three could look like a hell of an option right. to come in and run your offense if you don't if you don't really currently have a backup quarterback. If that's true, you know it would have to be a contending team to do that. You know the Ravens would probably do well to to trade him. 
if they do let him, if they do cut him, my guess is that some other team will pick him up when there's an injury anyway. Right. Of course, he's a guy who's got to prove himself anyway after being out of the league. Yeah, he's got to prove himself anyway. And I, there were other teams that were interested last year. I think he might have it might have been a question of holding out for more money. It might have been a question of not really getting the the workout with the team he wanted or the system he wanted. But wh- whatever the reason he, he he sat out last year, I don't think it's indication of demand for him this year. I think if if he plays like he did last night, I think there'll be demand for him from several teams league wide. Okay, that's great for him. Um, all right, every week as we do these, we ask you guys to send in your questions. Put them up on Twitter with the hashtag Film Study Mailbag, and we'll get to them. Of course, we got a few questions in, Ken, immediately uh, after the game yesterday and some questions today. So just want to go through a couple of them. And, of course, the first one we've got is from Marcus at Dade View on Twitter, who says, what's your opinion in, the, is the, in, in your opinion, what is the area Lamar needs to work on most? I think okay, it's so, his footwork, is what Marcus thinks. Yeah, I, I think Marcus is very good, and I trust his judgment on this. Marcus was on the show for an analysis piece he did uh, a few weeks ago, and and uh, you know really respect his viewpoint. Uh, what I would say about this is the the footwork is one thing. I think the decision making is one, and another thing he mentioned during the interviews would really tell you he's not where he needs to be in terms of the playbook. Is that he's been a lot of the play calls seem very long to them to him. And then he has to repeat them in the huddle with everybody's responsibilities. And the quarterback has to remember this whole long thing that might be 15 or 20 words that describe the, the route combinations and the, and the line call and all the other things about the eligible receivers and, and how they're, you know, formation and all that. But, but the fact of the matter is, if you're, a, if you're a tight end, all you're listening to is blah, 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 and then the one assignment that you have, maybe the formation and then the assignment you have on the play. And same thing if you're a wide receiver. You know, it's, it's, it's Charlie Brown, teacher talk, until you get to the, to the, uh, the three-number combination for the X, Y, and Z receiver, <laughs> and then that, that contains your, uh, uh, your assignment on the play. So it is harder for him. He mentioned that he was standing up in the mirror and trying to get better at giving those play calls in the huddle. And that, that just tells you right there that, uh, you know, we're not where we need to be. He's got some. He's got a, a, a ways to go, and and hopefully he can he can accelerate the learning process and get better, get better at this very quickly over the rest of this preseason and, and at least over the rest of the regular season to to uh, be ready for 2019. All right, I've never heard of practicing in the mirror. Yeah, but it's very interesting to hear that. Yeah, that's uh, he's a guy who's all over, loves his Instagram, so maybe he'll start practicing on Instagram. <laughs> uh, next question we got is from Daniel at Daniel Excel on Twitter. If Cora turns out to be a stud outside linebacker and makes the team as an outside linebacker, how will the Ravens manage to groom and develop so many outside linebackers when it's already a crowded group? Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is that this group got more crowded last night because both Kafusi, who was a really a defensive end before that, moved to outside linebacker and played well, and Correa, who had been an inside linebacker last year, moved to outside linebacker and played well, Tim Williams, who didn't play that well last year, was outrageously good as a rush linebacker last night. So all of a sudden, they've gone from five to seven outside linebackers on this team. Now, they could not really effectively use five last year, even with Zadarius Smith rushing some from the inside. I think it'll be a real challenge to use seven. I think there's a reasonable chance somebody gets traded in this. There's obviously a ton of talent here. There's a lot of teams that need a pass rusher, need an outside guy. 
I think it's also possible if the Ravens' depth continues to hold up that Kafusi may have to move back to defensive end, even if that's not the optimal place to use him. So uh, I hope it doesn't simply result in a tough cut at the end of camp because that'd be a real waste of the broad set of talent they have on this team right now. So uh, it's a great problem to have. I hope none of it ends in, in injury for the year. I hope they're able to actually use this talent in some way or trade it for real value. All right, that makes sense. Uh, final question for tonight is from Spencer, uh, at SpencerCP on Twitter. And um, uh, hopefully we've already talked about this guy, but let's flag him one more time. Who showed up on film that we may have not noticed at home watching just a, in TV? Okay, well, I'll, I'll mention one other guy that we didn't get to on the show. Okay. Is, Kenny, is Kenny Young. Uh, you know, he, he did. You know, Kenny Young and Alvin Jones, they're both inside linebackers. K- Kenny Young made the big stop on fourth down, which was fantastic. He had another nice quick tackle after a pass. Uh, I think he did enough that the the draft of him in the fourth round looks like it could be a good one and could well fill that will linebacker spot next to Mosley uh, and, and be a guy the Ravens can depend on. So, uh, you know, in some ways, Kenny Young is also insurance against losing Mosley um, after this year or after next year. Uh, depending on whether or not the Ravens use a franchise tag on him. So he did well. And the other guy, Alvin Jones, um, had a real nice game. He uh, uh, played the run very well, shot gaps effectively, which we have not seen too much from uh, Ravens inside linebackers, a little bit from Peanut, but but Alvin Jones is a bigger guy, uh, more fits the role of a two-down thumper that complements a dime on third down very well. So he was a guy who I thought showed up well in the game. Uh, and I know you only asked for one, but I'm giving you two. No, more is always better. All right, Ken, why don't you share with us, this podcast is available every week on Russell Street Report as well as your write-ins. What do you have coming up on Russell Street Report as well as, of course, we want people to follow you on Twitter if you can share that and all as well. Okay, sure. Let's go through all of it. I, at Film Study Ravens is my Twitter handle. I, I love the conversation want to hear your questions, I'll try and respond to them. And if you're looking for Twitter followers, toss your questions out there. Good football analysts love to follow other good football analysts. So if you have something intelligent to say or, or, or you know, a comment to make, toss it out there. It'll get discussed like crazy if you, t- if you add my ad symbol to what, it. I what if I just want to bash Perriman? <laughs> you probably won't lose too many followers, which is a sad statement, unfortunately, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll try not to do that. You mentioned the where do they find my writing. If you go yes. out to um, Russell Street Report, uh, should either post tonight or tomorrow. The article with far more detail than we've gone through on this podcast, it gets into every uh, player who's kind of on the bubble or in a roster battle, uh, has something to prove, doesn't talk about veterans, doesn't talk about the uh, players who've been on the team for a while and have a secure spot, but it talks about all the interesting uh, camp players. And then... Tomorrow, Maureen and I are going to sit down. We're going to look at Orlando Brown's play and produce an article on that. So uh, that'll be another interesting piece I hope to have out by either Saturday night or on Sunday. And uh, I hope you'll look at that. Josh, we always talk about your show as well. Please tell them where they can find that and uh, and how they follow you on Twitter. Yeah, on Twitter, I am at Josh Soroka. And my podcast is Section 336. It's available at section336.com or on Facebook, iTunes. You just type in Section 336 and it shows up. And it is Baltimore Sports Talk, very heavy emphasis on the Orioles. Um, lifelong Oriole fans, with, I do it with my brother and brother-in-law, and we just go ahead and break down, kind of 
explaining and helping you get through, especially these rough times where the Orioles are dumping players and just getting slammed in Texas. We can walk you through and help you understand what's going on as the average fan. Yeah, well, it's, it's it's a weird time, and the Yankees went through this a few years ago. That that they, you know, you have a team that's completely committed to a rebuild, and you know, a lot of the fans really buy into it. So it's a it's a yeah uh, you know exciting time, and and that will wear off if these players don't end up being anything. Right, and right. The organization is really truly starting over, but uh, but hopefully we got some players in this. No, place. I'm I'm we are all in on the rebuild. Ask me again in five years if I'm still happy about that. If we're still going through it in five years, I'm I'm not. Well, the last rebuild, it, it, it got Adam Jones, and, and Eric Bedard was traded for five guys that, 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 that there was some real value there. And then See, it traded some... kind of. I like to think that we haven't, in modern, uh, modern Oriole baseball, we haven't gone through a rebuild. A lot of people like to say, well, the last rebuild took 14 years, and that wasn't a rebuild. That was just 14 years of losing. That's so right. I'm looking at three years here is what I'm hoping for. Be, so, so only two bad years after this one, right? That's that's my plan. Hopefully it's okay. the Orioles' plan as well. Sign me up for that plan. So. I'd like to see that. All right, Ken. Well, have a good evening. We will talk again soon. All right. Take it easy, Josh. Thanks for doing this. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.